Welcome to Thriving with Mental Illness, a podcast with real talk, an open and honest conversation about issues surrounding mental health. There are no topics that are off limits and no questions that aren't okay to ask. I'm Mikhail Buck, author, public speaker, and suicide survivor who's lived with mental illness for over 20 years. And with me is my guy, Adam. So this is a little brief note that I'm inserting about our last podcast episode, episode 46, The Downside of Mania. And I realized as I was editing and uploading this new episode that I accidentally uploaded the unedited version last week, which is really unfortunate because it happened to be one of the worst intros that we've had as far as gaps and restating and redoing things. And so it's a little bit humiliating that this happened in our last week's episode, especially because there were a ton of listens on last week's episode. And I feel a little bit like I walked around all week long with my zipper undone and nobody told me. So my question to all of you is, why didn't one of you message me and say, uh, Mikkel, this didn't sound quite as professional as what we're used to hearing from you. I thought you guys were my friends. Anyway, this is not on you. It kind of is on me, but also it's kind of on you too. So if this ever happens again, somebody message me and say, hey, since we're friends, your zipper's undone on last week's episode. It sounds unedited. So that is all I have to say. Moving forward, I will try very hard to make sure there are no mix-ups such as that again. And I hope that you all will continue to give it a listen if last week was your first time and know that it really is more professional moving forward. So that is all. Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, We are a little bit different setup today. We're coming to you live from a rental car. A Dodge Challenger. A Dodge Challenger. A giant muscle car. <laughs> That's the only rental car they had left. We were lucky to get anything. Yeah. We went in and asked for a rental car and they said, oh, we have none. And we said, please. And they said, here, we have a giant muscle car for five times what you normally pay. And we said, thank you. We'd love it. No, that is incorrect. Remember, you said, That's outrageous. We're not paying that. <laughs> look, go look online. We're gonna find a cheaper car. And it turns out that rental cars are ridiculously expensive everywhere. There was no such car anyway. And then at that point, I said, yes, thank you. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We'd be happy to pay that. That's right. (laughs) We uh, are back up in Utah. It was my parents' 50th wedding anniversary this weekend. So we were up here celebrating with my siblings. And it was so much fun to see everybody. We haven't been together in, in a long, long time. So that was a good time. And my parents wanted some lovely pictures of the family so the siblings all got together, and we cannot take lovely pictures together. There's one with Jody sticking his finger in Steve's ears, several of us flexing and making faces, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, and when you say flexing, there's flexing and then there's flexing. So Oh, there's like posing there's flexing. Posing. This is like hardcore. So take, yeah, the intensity level of the flex, take it to a 10, and then up it maybe to an 11, and you get sort of... <laughs> What Steve and Joey were doing. I'm definitely going to have to post the pics. Yes. That way everybody will know. This is the family I come from. This is why I am the way that I am. This is It's all your fault. So the other fun thing that we got to do is see Ella up here because she lives up here as well. And so we went shopping with her last night because she needed a couple things for work. And so we were at Nordstrom Rack and she started to give us a fashion lesson because I picked something out and she's like, oh, mom, no, 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 no. 
So then she gave us a fashion lesson about what is allowed and what isn't allowed and the brands we're allowed to wear and what pockets must look like. And it's super fun to tease Ella and get reactions out of her. <laughs> so she's like, under no circumstances are these brands allowed. Jeans pockets must be blank. Uh-huh. Uh, stitching of the same coloring is allowed. So, you know, just to be contrary, I said, so bedazzled pockets. How do we feel about bedazzled pockets? And she's like, mom, stop, stop it. If you are not going to take this seriously, you are going to have to leave. Get out. It was educational for sure. It was entertaining for sure. It was entertaining <laughs> and educational. Edutainment. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, today we were going to talk about something that has come up. Um, and, you know, last podcast we were joking that you play a doctor on a podcast because you're always giving medical <laughs> right. advice. Well, this is legal advice, but I also happen to be a lawyer. So this so, is legit legal advice so this instead is, of my fake medical advice. This is legit. But uh, a lot of people, we're going to talk about mental illness in the workforce because many people have to still earn a living. And uh, so there have been questions about how do you handle that? Um, and so we're going to talk a little bit about the ADA, the Americans with Disability Act, and, you know, things that you can do to make sure that you're successful in your job. Yeah, sounds like a plan. I think a lot of people, too, have the misunderstanding. I joke a lot about pajama days and, you know, taking days off and relaxing. And, and this came up, too, in the last conference that I spoke at right before COVID hit, um, she's like, well, yeah, it's fine when you get to lay home all day and you don't have to do anything. I actually work I've been doing real estate for, I don't know, 12 years, something like that. And then I got an offer to work at an interior design firm, which is my dream job. Right. So I was so excited. I jump in, have my, my dream job. And then I got downsized after four months of COVID. So it was brief, <laughs> but glorious. And now I'm back doing real estate and, and design, you know, with real estate just in that way. So I do work in fact. Well, and according to the statistics, you know, 18 to 20 percent of the workforce experiences some type of mental illness. And so it's not that uncommon, but it may be more uncommon for people to talk about it or talk to their employer about it. Uh, So we're going to talk about the pros and cons of doing that. Now, the Americans with Disabilities Act is was enacted to help those with disabilities not get discriminated against in the workplace. Um, So they don't get bypassed for jobs or promotions or they don't get fired because of their uh, disability. And, uh, you know, the disability is pretty broad, the way the law defines disability. And it's really an impairment that substantially limits one or more major life activities. Uh, And they've clarified that mental illness does fall within the category of a disability under the ADA. Right. Which is kind of, I don't know, how do you feel about that? (laughs) I don't know. Like, I'm on the fence about it. On the one hand, it is nice to be guaranteed a little extra flexibility. On the other hand, I don't feel like I'm disabled at all. And so it feels a little bit odd having that label put on me. It's a little bit like... You know, my friend Liz, she's like my play friend, like that we go kayaking and horseback riding and I don't know, we do shooting and we do lots of crazy things. Liz Liz is my fun play friend and she is on blood thinners. So because she's on blood thinners, she has a handicap license plate, right? So Liz and I go 
I don't know, kayaking down the river and we pull up in our giant truck. I think we even had mountain bikes in the back of it or something. And then we have this big trailer with all these kayaks and she pulls up and parks in the handicap slot, you know, and it's just like, <laughs> she has a handicap plate. It's true. She does qualify as a disability. True. But it just like, there are definitely more significant disabilities and people who are impaired more that feel like they should have that title more so than me. So I don't know. I'm, I'm on the fence. But again, it's really nice to have the accommodations. And so yeah. I guess it's necessary to have that protection. You know, they're not going to say disability level one, two, three, you know, that, right. they don't do that. So right. so I guess I guess I'm appreciative of it, even though I feel like it's not terribly significant compared to what it could be. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Side story. Remember when we were with Liz? Liz also has a Corvette or had. Yes. I think she's bought a new car since then, but it's this flashy Corvette and we drive up and then she parks in the handicap spot and we all get out perfectly able to walk to the, <laughs> <I know. laughs> so it's, so yes, I understand. But nonetheless, the law, I mean, the law intentionally is very broad because they want employers to accommodate. They want people with whatever, however severe or maybe less severe the disability is to have protection, to be, have the greatest chance to be successful in whatever field they choose to work in. Mm -hmm. Now things covered by the ADA, you know, anxiety is part of that. Um, a panic disorder, bipolar disorder, depression, PTSD, um, all of that is covered. But the real question is, so you do not have to disclose this when you apply for jobs. Right. And even if you don't disclose it, it doesn't mean you're concealing or hiding. You're not doing anything dishonest. I mean, this is confidential medical information that's private. Right. And so there is no obligation for you to tell anybody if you don't want to. Right. See, the disadvantage that I have is I've written a book. Yeah, I have right. a podcast. <laughs> I'm very public. So when I went in for my interview at the interior design firm, Alicia, the owner, the designer, she already knows all of the stuff about me. It's, it's already out there. It's already public. And, and, you know, for me, I just kind of owned it. I'm like, look, this is, this is the situation. And she actually, one of the questions in my interview was kind of what's something that you're the most proud of that you've done. And for me, it was this living with mental illness, turning it into a strength, overcoming it, owning it. Like everything I am is because of everything that's happened in the past, including the suicide attempt, all of this has led up to where I am today. So I'm actually really proud of where I am today. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a disadvantage. I mean, she had a lot of respect for the things that I've gone through and, and being where I was. And so it wasn't a disadvantage in that situation. I'm not saying every employer is going to have that same attitude. We want them to, yeah. but, but you know, she, she was exceptional. It's true. Well, and to just make a clarification, the ADA applies to employers with 15 or more employees. Technically. Okay. So it's, you know, the smaller ones technically aren't required to follow the ADA, but many do. I mean, many employers uh, just have in their uh, diversity statements, you know, that, that we embrace, you know, disabilities. We don't discriminate against disabilities. And, and so it's not uncommon for lots of businesses, but technically it would be over 15 employees. So deciding whether or not to say something you know, if you're looking at the job, you know, really think about, are you going to be able to do everything the job requires without needing an accommodation? 
Right. And if, if the answer is yes, then maybe you don't say anything if you don't want to. I mean, it's a, it's completely a personal choice, but there are some people who, for a variety of reasons, want to maybe not at the beginning. I, I mean, some people actually do it like you at the beginning where it's like, yeah. look, I just want it out there. Yeah. And you don't have to. And then, but once you get the job, um, you know, if you don't need accommodations, then maybe you don't say anything or you can if, if you want to, but a lot of people still feel like they're going to be discriminated against if they say something in the workplace, people are going to look at them differently, maybe less capable. Yeah. And so, which is not true, but that's exactly what the ADA is trying to help employers understand that many people can do the job perfectly well with a, a little bit of accommodation. Yeah. So let's talk about accommodation. You know, we keep saying that word, but you know, in the ADA, it talks about reasonable accommodation and you know, that's, kind of an ambiguous term, uh, but it's really between the employee and the employer. But what you're trying to do is find the least impactful way that's most helpful for you, but is least impactful to your employer. Right. Because you can't be like, I require coming in at 11 a.m. every day because I have to sleep and... And go home at two. Yeah. It can't be. Don't be ridiculous. I yeah. I think an important part of this discussion is actually before you even apply for the job, look at everything in the job circumstances. And is that realistically a job that you can do? Not ideally. Is it realistically something that you can do? Right. And if the answer is no, find a different job situation that you realistically can do. Yeah. And I think like an easy example of this is, is Sam. Like when he and Ella were kind of both going through the thick of it, I mean, like we talked about, it looked very different. And Ella had a job. She was a manager at, you know, a retail. I think she was in food at the time. And it's fast paced. It's busy. It's loud. It's noisy. It's quick. You know, Sam would never be able to operate in an environment like that. And we were really worried, is Sam going to be able to work? Is he going to be able to have a job and support himself? I mean, because at the time he was, you know, flat in his room and not attending school at the moment and a lot of things. And Sam did get a job. He ended up getting a full-time job that he worked like 60, 70 hours a week, but he was a spray spray technician for pest control. And he was by himself and he had headphones in the entire day and listened to music and listened to podcasts. And like, it's the chaos and the hubbub that is a challenge for Sam. That's not a challenge for Ella. So that's not any type of accommodation she needs when looking for a job. But for Sam, he needs to look for a job that has a quiet environment and not a lot of chaos, like predictability. And, and so again, he's able to work 60, 70 hours a week, Yeah. but you have to find an environment that for you, you're realistically going to be able to work in. So I feel like that's the precursor before you start asking for accommodations is it realistically, you're going to be able to do this job. Right. And maybe if, if you need too many accommodations, maybe that's the wrong job. For right. You. Some accommodations. Absolutely. Yeah. But if it's going to take an overhaul of the job, you know, then maybe you need to find a different environment and situation. Yeah. And like with Sam, you know, maybe the employer's, uh, their, their policy is no listening, no having, you know, headphones or listening to music during the day. Mm -hmm. But for Sam, that's a reasonable accommodation because it doesn't impact his ability to do the job. It's very helpful to him. And it really, I know that's a policy, but it's not that big a deal 
if they right. allow Sam yeah. to do it. He would it. pop his earphone out when he would talk to the customers and then pop the earphone back in when he was doing all of his job and he was by himself in the car. So, yeah, easy accommodation for the employer made a world of difference for Sam. Yeah. Well, and another note of interest is, like, Sam didn't just get by at work. Sam won awards at work. At the end of the year, they have, like, I don't know, 100 spray techs almost. They have a lot. Sam was ranked number one in the most houses serviced in the entire company. And he was ranked number two in least amount of callbacks, which means he does a really good job at the houses and doesn't have to go back and redo them. Yeah. So, so it's not like, oh, we have to make accommodations and gosh, we hope you're just a mediocre employee that just, you know. Doesn't get fired. Right. Yeah. Like you can be the best employee they've ever had when you have the right environment for you to work in. And we've talked about this before, but I think sometimes people with mental illness, their brains actually have another gear (laughs) and, and can really thrive and excel if the right accommodations are made. Right. We're, we're a little bit smarter. I mean, (laughs) I'm not going to lie. We're just a little bit better. Well, but just as an example, I mean, you do real estate, Mikkel, because of the flexibility. It's very flexible for me. Yeah. And, but... She also excels at real estate because of the flexibility and it can work with you and with your lifestyle. You know, I mean, even last weekend, I mean, you had a a spectacular, amazing weekend where you were just putting deal after deal together and yeah, yeah, you just boom, boom, boom. The deals just came together with a lot of work. They don't just magically fall together, but I'm able to do it quickly. And, and, you know, like, I think you do a really good job at real estate. And then when all the paperwork's done, then I'm able to take a couple down days you yeah. know, while we're pausing and waiting for things to close. But yeah, I, I think I'm really good at it. But I, I guess the advice would be look for a job that works with, you know, your situation. Right. Because you will excel right. when you're in the right environment with the right employer under the right circumstances. You absolutely can excel in lots of things. So... But, but sometimes you're in the wrong, right. <laughs> the wrong job. In the wrong environment, you're not going to excel. And then you're going to feel like you can't be successful in anything. And that's just not true. I had a job, I don't know, a while back. And they used to refer to it all the time as, as working in your native genius. Like find what your native genius is and work there because it doesn't feel like work. Like your brain just, you know, if it's yeah. your native genius you can excel beyond anybody else in this specific area. So you got to find out what is your native genius, find an environment and a situation that that can just soar in. And that's where you need to go. Like don't keep trying to work somewhere that's not going to work for you. That's, you know, it's like that old commercial they used to have, like with the easy button, like find (laughs) something where you can work. That's an easy button for you. And and you can be the best at it. Even with mental illness, it doesn't mean you can't be successful at work. You just got to find where your easy button is and where your native genius is with the right environment and work there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's important. And, um, and, and then getting reasonable accommodations if you need those. Right. You know, um, I don't know. Did you talk about when you interviewed for the interior design job and, and you know, the hours were set, but you needed a reasonable accommodation that would fit with you long-term. And you just knew that 
those hours weren't going to work. Yeah, I knew that it was a little too much for me to do, especially because it was so structured and the same every week. And I know that I fluctuate a little bit and I just needed to build in a little bit of a buffer for me. And like I said, the designer, like she was amazing. She's the best boss I've ever had. She was incredible. And I went in and talked to her. I'd been at the job, I don't know, maybe a month. And it was really difficult, like just trying to manage all of my cycles and everything. And I went in and and I think I asked to like come in half an hour later and leave half an hour sooner. Like it was just enough that I was, didn't have to wake up too early with the meds and, Mm -hmm. you know, just enough. Maybe I left an hour sooner. I can't remember. It wasn't that much. And when I talked to her, I I was nervous to talk to her about it because honestly, like I wanted to be the best employee she has ever had. I, and again, that was my dream job. So I was really nervous to talk to her about needing accommodations and she was just like, oh, absolutely. And my reasoning was, I want this job to be long-term. I want to be here. This is where I want to be. And I want to be able to sustain this long-term and be excellent for you. Mm-hmm. And she was so great about accommodating. And we made just that little change. It wasn't that much. And I got the same amount of stuff done. Yeah. Oddly enough, I got the same amount of stuff done, even with that shortened time frame. Because when I was there, I was all the way on the whole time. Yeah. And when I was trying to do the extended hours, I wasn't at a hundred percent capacity the whole time. Mm-hmm. Well, another note uh, to understand is that if you do talk to your employer, there's just one person that needs to know. I mean, this isn't so. When you want to talk to the employer, they're going to have somebody, either the, the the president of the company or head of HR or somebody who's responsible for it. You go talk to that person. That is a confidential private conversation and nobody else is going to know or should know because they're not, you know, they're not supposed to send out an email and it's like, Oh, Hey, Bob is now going to be working from home because he's got bipolar. You know, it's not, it's still personal private information that the employer will handle with care. Yeah. And is required by law to handle with care. So let's just talk about some, because the key is to talk to your employer before it's a problem because right. if you're underperforming and you know that you're you're letting things slip that you're not doing what the employer wants don't just bury your head in the sand and say i hope they don't realize i'm not doing this yeah i you hope know. they don't notice i hope nobody notices they notice and you'll probably get fired if you don't address it I know. I think so many times people desperately want to guard this information and keep it private and and secret, if you will. But by doing that, you might cost yourself the job where if they understand what was going on, Mm -hmm. then like, oh, that's what's happening. Okay, as long as the lines of communication are open, I'm totally willing to work with you. But you have to be communicating with your employer so that they know. Do they just not want the job? Right. Do they just not want to try hard? Are they just lazy? Like, they're going to jump to conclusions if you don't give them information that helps them understand why you're performing and acting the way that you do. Right. Yeah. And they'll fill in the blanks. Right. They'll say he's not committed. He's not motivated. Doesn't want the job, you know, or whatever else. And, and just say, look, this isn't the right job. And so if you talk to them, you know, I would just say, 
before you do, think about really and brainstorm with other people too, if you need to, before talking to your employer, what is something that would really help me be able to perform at a higher level? Yeah. And some things are flexible scheduling, like what you talked yeah, about. Yeah, like what I asked for. Yeah. And depending on the job, you know, what's reasonable depends on the job. You right. Know? And what Sam asked for was headphones. Yeah. And that was reasonable considering his job. Yeah. And again, anytime you interact with customers, of course, the headphones are out. So he's still interacting when he needs to. Also a reasonable accommodation. And sometimes a working from home is an accommodation for people. And for some jobs, that's entirely, I mean, we found out in COVID, there are many, many jobs that can be done perfectly fine from home. Right. And for somebody with anxiety or uh, bipolar or anything, it could be the key that helps them excel because they're in their own environment. And, and so that could be something that might be reasonable for an employer. Um, maybe you need to go to a therapist. Um, yeah. A couple times a month or something or whatever. That was actually something I also had to talk to the designer about when I was working at the design firm because Ella was kind of, we were going through med changes and it was very strict with no personal phone calls during the day. And I had, when the psychiatrist called, I had to answer, of course, he's only working during work hours when I'm at work. And so that was something else I had to bring up and just say, hey, if I'm getting a call from the psychiatrist or if I'm getting a call from Ella, because at the time she was not doing that well, I need to take these calls. So even though the policy was no personal calls, that was an exception, also an accommodation that was made so that I could help Ella and operate, you know, same thing. Yeah. No, another accommodation uh, could be some additional time off to go to a counselor or uh, to go adjust meds or do yeah. whatever you need to do, or even taking meds. I mean, if you're in a job where you have to be sitting, it, you know, the entire time and you get these limited breaks, you might be able to get an accommodation that you could have a couple extra breaks so that you could go take your meds if you need to do that. Or snacks if you need to take them with food or whatever else. I do think it's important, especially counselors and psychiatrists, because those hours are generally the same working hours. I don't know a lot yeah, of psychiatrists not, and counselors that work after hours. Or on so weekends. That, right. So that kind of stuff is probably going to be during your workday. I feel like that's probably going to be the biggest accommodation that people, most people would need. Yeah. Is the ability to go to doctor's appointments and counseling appointments during workdays. Yeah. Or, you know, another one we talked about listening to music or white noise. You know, some mm -hmm. people need a little bit of, to be able to block out and focus because yeah. you just can't focus with all the distraction, the noise and all of that. So that's a reasonable. Right. Especially if you're in like one of those giant, I don't know, cubicles and big warehouses type or office type situations where it's really noisy. That's the noise is a typical one for a lot of people with mental illness that is kind of a trigger. So yeah. I feel like that's going to be very applicable to many people mm -hmm. having something like white noise or headphones or noise canceling headphones, whatever, like yeah. something just to block the chaos. And it might help you focus and do your job. Um, another thing to be able to turn off your phone or your email for periods of time so that you can focus. Also, you know, some people have asked for a service animal mm -hmm. uh, and some employers will allow that. You know, if it's going to help, you know, say you have anxiety and having your, your dog, for example, at work can be a reasonable accommodation that could be a huge benefit to you 
and depending on the employer, maybe minimal impact on the employer. Although if I had an adorable dog, it absolutely would be a distraction at work because I would just <laughs> sit and pet and play with the dog. Little known fact, Ella and I love pictures of puppies and videos of puppies. I'm yeah. allergic to animals, right? So we don't have a dog. We've never had a dog. But these little puppy videos and pictures, Ella and I send them back and forth. And I'm like, I'm a sucker <laughs> for them, man. They're so cute. So I, a dog would not help me focus more. That's all no. I'm saying. But that's just a me thing. That's right. So not everybody would be helped by that, but no, but it would make my day infinitely more happy. <laughs> but I guess those are just some ideas to brainstorm. Yeah. That's not a complete list, Yeah. but the key is to sit down with maybe your family member or a friend or, or somebody you trust. Somebody, I mean, also ideally somebody who is working has mental illness and is successful in whatever they're doing. You can ask them like, what's helped you be successful? Are there accommodations you've asked for to give you some ideas? I've had people call and ask me that before. Yeah, You know, I just started this new job and this is really too much and I don't know what to do. And we've kind of talked through options. Yeah, A lot of the things that we've talked about, but yeah, the key for me, the number one piece of advice for me would be find an environment that you can realistically be successful in Yeah, and go there. Well, and I guess my piece of advice would be to trust your employers. There, many employers are are really becoming more progressive and advanced in terms of mental illness. I mean, it's becoming less stigmatized, less problematic in the workplace if they know about it. I mean, so many have them in their their you know statements, their mission statements that we embrace diversity. We embrace you know we don't discriminate uh, against you know disabilities and. And so, wait, wait, wait. We already discussed it's a super ability. People super. with mental illness have advanced brains. You're forgetting this. But I appreciate what you're trying to say. You yes. know what you mean. Good correction. <laughs> but um, I think just more and more employers are becoming more, I guess, sympathetic and empathetic to, right. to the situation. And as we raise awareness, it's going to get even better and better, yeah. you know, so... That's great news for us. And don't be embarrassed to ask yeah. for an accommodation. I yeah. mean, just own it, embrace it, and come up with what you need, and then just be an amazing employee. That's right. Just go be your bad self, man. Yeah. Yep. Show them that with a reasonable accommodation, you can knock it out of the park. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. That's what we wish for you. That's what we wish for everyone. <laughs> to have a, a happy work environment where you can make money and provide for yourself and family and mm-hmm. whatever else you need. And, and be known as the resident baddie. Yeah. Really, because everybody needs to feel like that somewhere in their life. So, yep. And if you at some point feel like talking, I'm, sh- you know, I'm sure other people in the workforce, you know, just like you, as yeah. you start to talk, people start to gravitate towards you. Mm-hmm. If you feel like you know, being comfortable with that and you're excelling in your job, you might be a great resource for other people who are struggling. Yeah. With accommodations. Yeah. Good point. Thanks, Adam. Well, thanks for doing all the research on this one. You're welcome. And for your brilliant legal mind, as opposed to my fake medical mind. I'm glad you brought that up. Put me in my place. (laughs) For sure. You're a real estate agent, not a doctor. That's right. That's right. Well, we're so glad that all of you were with us today. As always, if you have topics that you would like to see covered or questions that you have, you can submit them on Instagram at Thriving With Mental Illness or on Facebook, Mikkel Buck. And remember, there are no topics that are off limits and no questions that aren't okay to ask. Thanks for being here and we'll see you next time. See you next time.